This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This is Greg Olson, inviting you to check out my new Blue Wire podcast, TE1, where I interview tight ends throughout the history of the NFL who have helped revolutionize the position. TE1 is presented by the Chevy Silverado, the Silverado is all about grit. It's strong and dependable, exactly like playing tight end. Just like the incredible players we sit down with on the podcast, the Chevy Silverado is in a league of its own. Strong, advanced, and dependable. Download TE1 today wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome to 52 Weeks of Hustle presented by Event Dynamic. Event Dynamics specializes in maximizing revenue and increasing attendance. I'm Travis Apple, and I'll be your host of this podcast. I've been fortunate to spend my entire career in the sports sales industry, and I wanted the opportunity to give back, to give back to not only those individuals that want to get in this business, but for those individuals that are in this business that want to continue to excel at an elite level. For those of you who know me, hustle has always been important, hence the name, each week. I'm going to have the opportunity to sit down with industry professionals to talk about their career path what it takes to be successful, and ultimately a few key takeaways for you to apply to your everyday. Without further ado, our guest this week. Very few individuals can say they're in prominent roles in three different leagues in professional sports. In addition, this individual is a Sports Business Journal 40 Under 40 winner as well and has been a mentor to a lot of very successful people in this industry. I'm excited to have the Chief Ticketing Officer of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Ben Milsom. Ben, welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Thank you, Ben, and, and always a pleasure speaking with you, and I'm excited to have our listeners learn about your career path and, and certainly how you have found ways to be successful. But in this business, we can talk a lot about being vulnerable and the challenging situations you have to overcome both personally and professionally to be elite. And so I want to start this conversation by discussing something that I know is near and dear to your heart, and that is type 1 diabetes. You, know, you were diagnosed with it over 20 years ago at age 17, and you know, Ben, how has that changed your day-to-day? Yeah, it's a great question, and thanks for asking it. Um, you know, it's it's uh, it's a challenge. You know, I think that the, the people, there's anyone out there that they can relate to it. Is it's a minute by minute, day by day uh, thing that that you tackle. Um, it's it's helped me be really managed and and uh, manage my personal and professional life because there's just some things I can't do, but most things I can. Um, <clears throat> but from a from a time management standpoint, I remember whenever I you know, I got diagnosed right before I went into college. And so, you know, checking your blood sugars and making sure that you're staying healthy was really, really critical. And so that helped me with my schoolwork. It's helped me with my, you know, my professional life as well. Um, and so, you know, but there's also a lot of inspiration out there, too. There's a lot of people that have had uh, type 1 that have, have done really great things and are, and are continuing to give back. So, yeah, you know, it's it's something that I that I deal with, but it's not a you know it's not a major focus in my life. Um, I try to live a normal life. I try to, to be a good example for my for my family and, and uh, 
And then, you know, as I try to overcome different things, share that story. Because I think, you know, you said it is it's giving back and, and making sure that, that young kids that get diagnosed with this. And, and I've had conversations with parents and, and kids that are five and six years old, and, and they don't really know where to turn. So it's really important for them to be able to have someone to talk to and say, listen, I, I was diagnosed with this over 20 years ago, and, and I'm still doing really well in, in you know, managing it on a day-to-day basis. No, absolutely, and, and I appreciate that. And Ben, you know, in some of the research I've done, approximately only five to ten percent of people that have diabetes have type one, and it seems that a healthy lifestyle habits are very crucial to managing it on a day by day basis. And you know, being in this business and knowing the hours and the grind of this, how do you ensure that you are taking the time to not only manage a healthy lifestyle and diabetes, but also spend time with your wife, two kids, and and oh, by the way, you've got a, a full time job as well. Yeah, you know, I, I think <clears throat> I think everyone around me is is aware of, and I'm really transparent with what it's like having uh, type one. But you know, it, it just like in anything in life, it's your it's your your personal board of directors, those people that are around you that that you see on a daily basis, and um, you know, making sure that that you're making really like good life choices, right? And you're you know you have your priorities set. I think, I think through all the stuff that the world is going through right now, it's caused everyone to kind of take a pause and say, what's really important and, and where do I want to spend my time and how am I going to be trying to be really successful in business and in life? Um, and I think that, uh, you know, I have to give so much credit to my wife who puts up with me on a daily basis <laughs> um, and my kids as well who learn, have learned to put up with me. But I, I think it's, it's the people that are around you. It's, it's those those people that you work with or that you're friends with that really just, it's so critical for everyone to have that support system. No, I, I certainly understand that. And, and so Ben, in addition to being the chief ticketing officer for the Tampa Bay Bucks, you're also the president of the Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation in Tampa. And you kind of mentioned earlier, you, you want the opportunity to give back. You, you've already kind of opened your ears and your doors to, to talk to parents and kids. And so why is it so important for you to be on that board and to find support and find ways to help end this? Yeah, no, it's it's a great question. <clears throat> I think that there's I look at you know it, in a simple, very simple sense, there's givers and takers in this world, right? There's people that that think that that everything is is for them, and it's they they look through that lens through everything, and then there's other people that say what I need to do more, I need to give back, and you know whenever I was younger, I didn't necessarily have that view on it. I was I was trying to deal with my my, my professional career, my personal life, and get everything set up to try to be successful. But then I got to a point where I'm like, listen, I'm not doing enough. I'm not, I'm not in the community. I'm not, enough. I'm not meeting with people. I'm not trying to help. And so I think whenever you get to that point, and I have this conversation with people on my staff all the time that are, that are just right out of school and are, are trying to make their way in the industry, you have to be able to give back. And in, in a weird sense, so much of it comes back to you tenfold, the friends that you meet and the people that think like you, um, that you can meet through any type of community involvement is so critical. I've made lifelong uh, friends through JDRF here in Tampa, and not only that, but like the national JDRF. Um, and, and it's so to get to that point and to be able to say that you can manage the time to to give back to the community um, in, in whatever that is, whether it's you know medical or you know other things that that are involved. I mean that's that's everything. And and, it, and I've I never realized how great the experience was going to be, and it's, it's exceeded my expectations tenfold. 
And Ben, that's certainly what makes you, you know, elite, personal, and professional uh, is your transparency and vulnerability. So I certainly appreciate that. And you know, many of our listeners, probably much like myself, are probably thinking, "Wow, you know, I stress over having a work-life balance, and I'm not near as involved in the community, you know, or dealing with anything else on a consistent basis." And so you're not only a family man; you're the president you know, of the JDRF, but also an executive board member for the Tampa Bay Sports Commission. So what is your advice to our listeners to ensure that you're taking the time to really get out in the community, immerse yourself, and be a part of something that you're passionate about? You, you said it, passion. I think, I think everyone has to find what they're passionate about and not try to force themselves into a role because someone thinks they should, right? Um, and I think that happens a lot of times is you should – you should be at this title or you should be at this, you know, income or whatever it is. Find something you're passionate about. You know, if, if you grew up in a situation where, you know, things weren't great for you, okay, figure that out and volunteer in that situation. If you if you have someone that is close to you that, you know, has been affected by cancer, okay, f- find out how you can help that. And whether you're in sales or whether you're in, in fundraising, whatever that is, you know, just, just help. I mean, we have people on our board at JDRF that aren't really great asking for a sale, but you know what? They show up early and they stay late and they, mm-hmm. they, they rally volunteers. Great. That helps. Yep. You know, so I think it's just, it does come down to your, what you're interested in personally and then how you can help. And I think that, I think sometimes people in, in a volunteer space may think, well, I'm not really good at sales, so I can't help. Well, yeah, you can just ask, ask that question. How can I help and how can I add value? Right. There's always some way to add value. And, you know, I think that's great advice for all of our listeners, whether you're moving to a new city to start a role or you're in a current city that you've grown up in, continue to immerse yourself, get involved with what you're passionate about. Definitely. And so, Ben, now on to your illustrious career. So you grow up in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, which I know you and I have talked a lot about what a sports city that is. And so what made you first fall in love with sports? And when did you know this is a business that you want to get into? Yeah, you know, my, my, I, you know, I grew up with a younger brother and my, um, my family was always, uh, always involved in sports. My, my great, uh, great, great grandfather was a, was a bat boy with, for the Pittsburgh Pirates. So my mother grew up in, around sports. Um, my dad was always coaching and, um, you know, it's, it's in the, in the blood of, of Pittsburghers, you know, um, that's, that's just the kind of the way it is. So, you know, growing up playing sports, um, I always thought that if I could mesh my passion for sports and um, in business, it would it would be a win-win. And but then I realized that you just can't just be a fan, right? It has to be so much deeper than that. And there's you know we're not out there practicing, we're not out there participating. So um, I I like the competition of the sports industry. I love the competition of selling and and knowing that if I worked harder than the person next to me, that I was gonna gonna do better, right? And so. Um, whenever I learned that at a, at very early in my career, I just I, I fell in love with it and I just wanted to keep going and driving. But yeah, I mean Pittsburgh is it, just like anyone from that city. It's uh, it's very near and dear to my heart, and uh, and it always will be. You know, and for the listeners, a, a quick story in regards to the Pittsburgh Pirates. And you talked about your great grandfather being the Bat Boy. You know, last September I was in uh, in Pittsburgh and went to the Clemente Museum, and yeah. Dad was you know walking us around the museum, and you you're in the museum. You, yeah. you had a picture there, right there of you as a kid. Uh, you know, at old old Forbes Field. So it, yeah, it's definitely, yeah, it's definitely younger, in your blood. A younger version of me might have been embarrassed about that, but my dad my dad's pretty proud. He has a picture of me and my brother uh, at a pirate game when we were really really young, and he makes sure he, he 
shows everyone that when they walk in the door. So yeah. that's a spe- that's a special place. That's a that's a place that uh, took a lot of time, energy, and effort to get up and running. But if anyone is a fan of uh, of baseball and they're in Pittsburgh, they should definitely stop by that museum. It's great. Absolutely. Dwayne has done a great job. And so, so Ben, after high school, you end up attending John Carroll University in Ohio and major in marketing. What were some of your key learnings that really drew you to that business side of sports through college? Yeah, you know, the reason I went to John Carroll was uh, because of the business school. And I knew that I wanted to get into the business side, but I wasn't really sure. And I don't I think very few people go into college and say, I want to be a professional salesperson. You, You say, okay, I'd love to be in sports marketing. That would be kind of cool. And then you realize where the jobs are, right? And so whenever I had some, some early internships and one of my mentors, Alan Zucker, who's one of the, one of the founders of Excel, uh, said to me, he's like, listen, you got to sell. And, and I said, wow, that's, that's some pretty aggressive advice. I'm not really sure about that. But then we sat down one day and he said, look at all the jobs in pro sports. Where are they? And they were in sales and they weren't in my hometown. And so, you know, talk about trying to, you know, get that advice early and being uncomfortable of like, you're going to probably have to move. You're going to probably have to sell something, which is really hard, but that's the way the industry kind of weeds people out. So um, it was, it was an interesting process. And I had that, I I remember when we had that conversation, I was like, wow, I think things are going to change for me dramatically from here on out. Yeah. And so after college, you end up moving to Tampa for the first time, which I'm sure you had no idea that that's where you'd call home, you know, the majority of your adult life. But your first job was the Tampa Bay Lightning selling premium seating. And you start out making 13000 a year, commissions, no benefits, you know, young guy right out of school. What were some of your early challenges in selling the world, you know, outside of, of having to just afford to live in general? Yeah, I think the best thing was we, it was a tough product to sell, right? We were, the, the Lightning right now have done a great job and have had a lot of, a lot of success. Um, it wasn't like that when we first started, but what I got extremely lucky with was I was surrounded by a bunch of, of people who are now my mentors, you know, Doug Dawson with the Cowboys, Chad Essis with the Cowboys. I mean, these people showed me the way and they showed me how to do things the right way. I didn't realize that 20 years ago, but now I look back on it, I, I realized how fortunate I was that I had, I was brought in with career-focused individuals that were going to show me how to do things. And it was really easy. If I just did what they told me to do, it was going to work out. And I had all of these people around me, um, you know, Kevin Fratura, Chad Johnson, Chris Hibbs, all these people that are doing really well in sports right now, um, and they showed me how to do things. And so you're coming out of school, you're moving to a new town, but we were in an environment that was just so great, and I learned so much so much in that first even year that, okay, this is really, really hard. But if when you have those wins, they're so massive. And it just it, it set my, my career up. It really did. No, absolutely. You know, and a lot of us in sales always have that, you know, one or two sales that we always remember, whether it be the first sale or kind of our most exciting. And, you know, Ben, I've heard a lot about of a really fun and exciting story on your end, and it was the first sweet lease you ever sold. And yeah. would you mind sharing, you know, I guess that, that race to the finish, uh, you know, up by four? Yeah, so it was, I, I love to tell the story. I tell to, to some of my, my sales reps all the time. It was uh, 3.30 on a Friday. I finally, I'd been calling on a pharmaceutical company for, for months, and I get the, the, the decision maker on the phone, and he tells me, if you can get to Orlando, which is, you know, I-4 is a rough drive, but if you can get there here in two hours, which is exactly how long it was going to take, he goes, I'll sign that contract. 
So I didn't drive to, to work that day. I had Brad Lawn, who is with the, the Detroit Pistons now, was sitting right next to me, and he had a family, and he had somewhere to be on a Friday night. And I said, Brad, I, I need I need your car. And, uh, and he says, what? I said, I didn't drive. I need your car. I need to go right now. So I run over. I get the contract printed up. I grab Brad's keys, and I shoot down I-4, sweating the entire time. Uh, I get to the, the hotel lobby. Uh, the gentleman signed the contract on my back. Literally, it couldn't be any more dramatic, right? Uh, and then I, I get the sale. I'm ecstatic. I'm calling Brad the entire time, telling him that I need to call his wife, and I'm sorry he's missing his plans. But, uh, yeah, you just you just did what you had to do, and, and that one is one I'll, I'll definitely never forget. Well, you know, then you, based on the commission on that, you had enough money to pay his gas. So oh, of course, yeah, okay. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Only for a couple of days, right, yeah. And I think, you know, for, for all of our listeners, I mean, you talk about going above and beyond, like sometimes you just have to find a way to get it done, you know? Yeah, and I think that's that's what separates that's what separates people in this business, you know, and I'm, I'm so inspired whenever I see some of some of our reps and, and, and sales and service that they go and do these really amazing things for people. And, and you look at those people and say, you're going to be successful. You get it, you know? And then some people will say, you know what? It's Friday, you know? People that have other things to do, I could be going and, and doing other things, and uh, but it's that decision, it's that 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 uh, crossroads where it really makes you or breaks you. Yeah, no, absolutely. So after you've been after having a ton of success with the Lightning over a few years, you were in your first shot at leadership as the director of inside sales with the Indiana Pacers and Fever. What were some of your biggest challenges in going from a top salesperson now into leadership? You know, in a new in a new environment. Yeah, you know, I, I look at I look at the way we think we do things now with grooming leaders and getting them ready to take on management and going through some of the challenges. Um, I didn't have that. You know, I was I was probably not ready for it. Um, I got into a situation where the staff was already hired. We hired, the, you know, one of the first inside sales programs um, at that team, and I, I was learning and I, I was selling and managing at the same time, and it was it was really hard. It was a challenge. I mean. But once again, you know, Doug Dawson, who I'd worked with at the Lightning, had, had taken on the VP role at the Pacers and brought me in under the guise of, listen, I'm going to groom you and I'm going to help you the, the step, every step of the way. And, man, he sure did. And I, I took on, you know, and we had some challenging times there. I was there whenever um, the Malice the Palace happened where there was yeah. there was fighting in the stands and we had to sell through that. But, um, you know, it was, it was a day-to-day learning experience, and that was, that was something. Yeah. And later on in this conversation, we're going to dive into you know your your career development and, and how you focus on career growth for people. But you know, early on, a lot of our listeners, you know, they want to get into leadership. What is advice would you give some of the top selling producers right now? What should they be doing to get into leadership and be you know, ready? You have to, yeah, you have to ask yourself: Do you want to be a teacher? You know, that that's really what it comes down to. Or do you you genuinely care? about putting your needs, wants, and desires on the back burner to, to help other people grow. And, and that can come at the, the expense of revenue at times. That can come at the expense of your own personal um, agenda. But if you want to teach and if you want to educate and you want to help others, you, you're ready for it. And that's what I ask people. I say, when it, you know, a top producer comes into my office and they say, I'm ready. And I say, okay, well, tell me what you've done to help other people. If they don't have a lot of answers, then they're not ready. But other people have said, you know what? I've stayed late and helped other people make night calls. I've, I've come in early to, to go over, you know, scripting reviews. Um, those are the people that, that get it and, and have it in their heart to, to take the next step and get into leadership. Even though sports had a break, your business didn't. 
You have to keep moving, and that makes hiring more important than ever. Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Here on 52 Weeks of Hustle, the guest today is Ben Milsom, Chief Ticketing Officer for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And so... Ben, after developing a ton of great talent with many of those professionals still in this business, you get a big-time role as the vice president of sales with the Sacramento Kings and Monarchs. And so, you know, first on paper, it may have seemed that you've jumped a few spots by not being a a director or senior director of multiple departments. But, you know, so how did you earn the opportunity to land such an important role early on in your career? Yeah, you know, I I was, once again, I was just fortunate by the people that, that, um, you know, that vouched for me. and I, you know, whenever I was talking about that role, I had a lot of really great discussions with, with Amy Brooks, who's with, still with the NBA, and Chris Granger. Um, and they, they talked me through the process. Um, you know, I, I've, in, in talking about this, I've, I've been put in these roles, and I've kind of been pushed in the deep end, right? It wasn't like I was like, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely ready to be a, a VP of sales and take on this opportunity. Um, but I also, you know, had – a great, uh, another great mentor, John Thomas, who was the president of the Kings at the time, that, that said, "Listen, we're in, a, we're in this as a partnership. We we have some challenges ahead of us, and we'll you know we'll work to make this right and, and to figure it out." And I learned so much. I mean, we the leadership training and the development that we went through there was was uh, was just top notch. And so I was I was helped along the way. I, I you know, and thinking about all this stuff, it's I keep coming back to mentors and people that that have have helped me. And I think that, you know, anyone who's aspiring to get in this industry or continue to grow in this industry, that is so critical. I mean, Travis, you know this. We, you, yep. You've had a lot of great mentors yourself. I mean, we, if, if our industry didn't have these people that were pushing and growing people, um, you know, we wouldn't be able to stand the tough times and the wins and losses. And so um, and that's really what it comes down to. Is, and, and I moved to a city, once again, I'd never been to. I'd interviewed there. Um, I had just gotten married, so once again, my, my wife just being such a rock star, saying, like, "Yeah, let's move from Indiana to Sacramento and figure it all out." And, right. Uh, we grew a ton personally, and I I, I grew a ton professionally. So. You know, and I, I know speaking on on behalf of my own experience, you know, your first VP job it certainly takes you out of your comfort zone a lot, and, and really puts a focus on making the best of challenging situations, which you you went into. So, what were some key learnings that you had there, your time in Sacramento, that you still apply to your everyday? Yeah, I, I think a lot of it comes down to time management. When we were there, there was a lot of um, there was a lot of executive meetings, and whenever sometimes when you do that, you lose touch of what the staff is hearing and what they're going through and some of those challenges. So what I learned there was you got to make time. You still have to make time for your staff. You got to make, make time to listen to what the people on the front lines are saying. So you, that, that drives your strategy. And if it goes the other way, there, there can be such a massive disconnect. So I think that's what it was, is, you know, make time to be in some of those meetings and, and to be um, a, a major um, contributor on the executive team. But you also have to listen to the staff. You've got to be there and you have to have that open door. So, if a sales rep is coming into a, a wall, 
you need to hear that because that what you hear from the sales rep could help you in those executive meetings. So I think that was a big thing. It's just never lose the pulse of your team or your staff. And I think that's that's great advice to, to not only salespeople that are listening to this, but also leaders is, you know, time management is going to be important. You got to be efficient and effective and just, you know, don't miss, you know, if right. you're a leader, don't miss one-on-ones. You've got to understand what they're hearing on the front lines and how you can be there to support and, and almost back to why you got into leadership, right? You, you have a passion for teaching. Yeah, absolutely. And so, you know, as, as you go through that and, you know, after a few years in Sacramento, you head back to Tampa where it all started to work as the director of sales with the Tampa Bay Bucks. And so, you know, I know, you know, one of the biggest challenges in this business is the title, you know, perception. And so how difficult was it to, for you to go from a VP back to a director? And, and ultimately, why did you make that move? Yeah, you know, I, I, I was told that there was a time whenever – title was was really important because I, I felt that it would justify what I had done. And, um, but then I tell the story all the time is when I got to Sacramento, yeah, you're, you're a VP and, and all that, but then you still got to do the job, right? So yep. I got to the point where my priorities were, um, you know, who I was going to work for, um, what, what the, the product was going to look like, and then what kind of team I was going to be able to build around me. And Whenever I started making those the focus and didn't care about titles or, or those other things, everything else kind of came together. So I think a lot of people, and, and, you know, rightfully so, people do get caught up in, like, I'm not going to take this job because it's not this title. Well, you know, you got to look at really what's important um, because once all that other stuff comes together, everything takes care of itself. You, the titles will come, the money will come, all that other stuff, but you know, once you can really understand who you're around and the people that you're around, that's that's what it really matters. Yep. Yeah, that, that people and process equals productivity. No doubt. And, and so, you know, now fast forward 11 years, you're still at the Tampa Bay Bucks. Now as the chief ticketing officer overseeing seasons, premium groups, single game and suites. And I guess, you know, going back, did you ever think that you making that move back in June of 09, you're going to still be in Tampa this long? Yeah, I, you know, I'd hope so, right? I mean, I, I had moved, I had moved a lot, and we we wanted to start a family and and set uh, set roots, and you know, I also wanted to you know really make an impact in the NFL because there wasn't a ton of really established um, sales teams in the NFL at that time, and um, and so it, it was always in the back of my mind something that I wanted to do and, and stay in the community, and um, you know, I, I think I live in the best city in the country. I think that there's just the people here are so inviting that the business um, the business community is really, really great to, to work with. And so, yeah, it's a blessing. It really is. You know, and so, so leading into the next question, you know, on advice for our listeners, you, Ben, you're obviously very well respected in this industry. I know a ton of opportunities are always coming your way. You know, it, it sounds like obviously personally, you guys are happy there and, and professionally, you guys have done a tremendous job, but what advice would you give the listeners to, to make somebody want to continue to stay within an organization? Yeah, I think that the, the one question that they would ask themselves is, is, uh, you know, are you happy? And, and if you're happy, you know, be really good at being happy, you know, because I think sometimes other factors play into things. Ego can, can be a massive uh, deterrent to some people in their career. Um, but if you're happy, that doesn't necessarily mean that you're not driven or that you're not every day waking up trying to be better and make your people better. Um, and Or, you know, I think maybe sometimes people see it as complacency, but whenever you can stay within an organization, you can prove that you're, 
you have the, the fortitude and patience to wear uh, through the ups and downs, um, I think that's a great story to tell. Um, and it's a hard one to tell, too, because it's, it, it doesn't happen all the time. I mean, it's because of how things change in our industry, and things have changed the last four or five months dramatically. Right. Um, you know, I think those who can be patient and can work hard and, and have those great relationships internally in their organizations are the, are the ones that, you know, that, that'll succeed. And it's, it's also, you know, talk about the toll on, on family life and, and for personal life as well. You know, I mean, I think that sometimes gets put on a back burner. Um, where if you have that as saying like, listen, if everyone is, is happy and doing well, um, that motivates me. I'm going to wake up every day and I'm going to just try to get better and make it better. You know, and you talk about it, there's a lot of highs and lows in this business and you've got to put yourself in a position to be ready to capitalize. And, you know, many of our listeners have heard a lot about the Bucks. you know, given some of the off-season signings for your team. You know, how exciting was that to be a part of and, and ultimately some of the buzz that came around with it, but probably more importantly, the fact that you and your team put yourself in such a good position to really capitalize during that time. Yeah, you know, we had always talked about you have to be, you know, playoff win ready. You have to be ready whenever that's going to gonna go. And, and some, you know, it, it's been a long run for us. I mean, we've, we've um, you know, the, the on the field has, has been up and down and we've had a lot of challenges. And uh, so for, for this to happen in this offseason has been, has been great. And it's just, for me, it was just, the excitement of the, the salespeople and, and their ability to talk to that person that they had called five years ago that said, no, don't ever call me again. Now that person was calling them back. And so all of those, you know, it's like you, you're, you're a farmer and you're standing at the, you know, in your field and you've planted all these seeds and you're just waiting for them to sprout. And, and man, did it, did it sprout. Yeah, no, that's awesome. And you kind of mentioned that, Ben, you know, you, ups and downs on the team end. And I don't know your overall record for all the teams you've worked for. I'm sure you probably keep track of it, but I'm sure it's it's not great uh, by any means. And you've still managed to have a lot of success. And, you know, at the Bucks, you, you and your team were always one of the first NFL teams to be innovative, to really have built out that sales team that you talked about consistently ranked at the top of the league in seasons, groups, customer service. You know, even during the bad times on the on the field, why do you think your team has had so much success? You know, regardless of that. I tell you what, it, it, a lot of it goes back to our ownership group and our leadership. I mean, we've we've been given all the tools and resources to to do the right thing to be successful. And um, you know, we have the internal relationships that we that we have is um, you know we work well as a team, and that's that's critical. That the communication and and just saying, hey, listen, if we're going to do this, here's what it's going to look like, and here's when we're going to be ready. So that that is, we've we've been given every resource that we need, and, and even sometimes when we don't need to be successful, and it's just so critical because there's a lot of there's a lot of times, and that answer could have been no, and, right. but there was a lot of times when it was yes, and that really helped us get to the next level. No, that's awesome, and, and again, congrats to you and your team on all your successes. And Ben, I always tell people what I really think puts a leader on the map in this industry is really the tree they've built and the top executives that, that ultimately come from it. And you kind of mentioned in this you know, podcast, your mentors, but, you know, and I know you're being humble, but your tree seems to be endless. And, and I know I've certainly hired a few people off it over the years and a lot of great industry people in this business have come through your, your tree and your training and development. Why is that so important to you? You know, it's everything, and it was always a priority. And I and I and I look back on it. And I always said, if I get into a position where I can influence other people's careers, that's going to be a priority because that's what I got. You know, it's like it's like when you're raised in a good house, you want to be a good parent because that's the way you saw your parents acting towards you. 
And I was brought in such a great environment that I wanted to try to replicate that as much as I could. Um, and it's, I, I tell you what, it's, 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 the, it'll never, nothing will ever top being able to say that you have people in this industry that you came in and you trained as salespeople and now they're leaders and, and they're, they're mothers and fathers and, and doing great in the community. I mean, that's, for me, that will always be the number one win. I mean, it's just, uh, and I, and I, st- and I love having those relationships. I, I, I talk to people that I used to work with on a weekly basis and just to hear a lot of them having a lot of success, it's, that's everything. You know, one of the stories that sticks out to me as well, you know, hearing about you is, is one of, you know, a good friend of mine and, and somebody that, you know, you've really mentored and that's Jason McGinnis. And he said he remembers when he was a, a junior in college at the University of Indianapolis, you went to the school just to talk about the business and what what really stood out to him was you stayed afterwards and, and answered every single question, followed up when people followed up with you, and it, it always goes to show that you were invested in them, and, and that ultimately got him into this business and a lot of others that you've you impacted. Yeah, no, it's I mean, it's, it, listen, you always remember, I remember how hard it was getting into the business, and it was a challenge, and it was, and I, I always said, like, if I can help that one person make it through, then, then my job is done. But I was also re- always recruiting too. You know, Jason was a guy who very early was was a star, and I saw that. And you can get that off of a, just an initial, you know, um, you know, observation. Like at the NBA job fair back in the day, you yep. see these people in 30 seconds you say, "Man, that there's something about there's something about her. There's something about him that, that really stands out." So I was always on the lookout for the next the next star. Always recruiting. You yeah, know, you, you mentioned right there. You know, you always want to be on the the lookout, and you you kind of know early on, and and just as much as it's important to to surround yourself with good leaders that are going to put you and your career development first and foremost. There's also some characteristic traits that you've seen in people that have have been successful. So, what is that? What are some of those characteristic traits that you've seen in people that you surround them with some good leadership? They're going to take it to the elite level. Yeah, you know, I think a lot of it is that, that competitive drive, you know, when people just really hate to lose, um, you know, it's, and, and you can see that really early on. Um, I think that the work ethic, and it, it comes down to people's upbringings, right? And it doesn't matter where you grew up or how you grew up. It like some people just they have that work ethic. And, I mean, there's even times whenever I would get, I would be interviewing someone and I would ask them if I could call their parents and they'd be like, what? Call my parents? Yeah, I want to call your parents. Like, I want them to tell me about you and what it was, how you did in your first high school job and, and yeah. things like that. So that work ethic is just so critical. It really is. No, absolutely. It's all, all, all comes down to effort a lot of times. And you know, so Ben, what advice, you know, kind of for the leaders that are listening in, you know, you talk a lot about career development, having the passion for teaching, but also making sure you spend time. And, and what advice do you have for the leaders of the importance of spending individual time and group training time with each of their team members? Yeah, I mean, it's a, listen, it's everything. If, if you think that your, your strategy or your business plan is going to get you to hit your numbers, you, you're off. It's those people that are, that are out there working every day that are making the calls. I, I, I'm always surprised when I talk to people in our, our industry that may have worked for someone that said, yeah, I never talked to them. They were always behind a closed door. Um, that's just not, it's just not the philosophy that I subscribe to. And so I try to interact as much as I can with my staff. Every couple of weeks we'll have a, um, I don't let the managers or directors or VPs in a meeting. I just have the meeting with the, the reps. Yep. And it's almost like a, like, listen, let's be honest. Let's be just transparent. Like, what do you need to know? 
and, uh, and, and I learn more than they do from that. Um, and then I unfortunately go back to their bosses and say, why aren't we talking about this? Why aren't we figuring this out? <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, it's, you got to have the pulse. You've got to know what's going on. Cause if you, if you can, if you just think, Oh, I'm, I'm in this position, I'm going to lock myself in my office all day. You're going to miss. You really yeah. So Ben, you talked about, you know, having a pulse, especially on the front line with your sales team members. What about leading other leaders? Like what advice do you have for that as far as like whether they're being early on in their leadership career or I know you have people on your leadership team that have led for 10, 15 years. Like what's the importance of that and, and how do you maintain that responsibility? Yeah, I think in that regard, you have to show them. You, you can't just say, do this, do that. You have to show it to them. And, you know, whether it's, you know, whether you're stocking your general manager at Walmart and you go and stock shelves with people or clean up, like you have to do that. And, and we have a great example of that in our organization. Our, our COO is, you know, I remember, you know, rolling up mats with him after events and, you know, his work ethic is like no one else, but he shows it. He's not afraid to greet fans and hold the door open for people. And that's the way our organization it just is. And yeah. You'll see ownership that's, you know, talking to fans and, and having discussions and things like that. So when you see that, um, everyone's watching that, and that's the way you do things, you know. And so I think that you, you just have to show it. You have to be a bit yep. of an example. Because what I tell my leaders all the time, too, is you never know who's watching because most of the time everyone's watching you. Yep, absolutely. You never knew who was watching. You always, as a leader, you want to make sure that you're never asking somebody on your staff to do something you're not willing to do. Right, absolutely. You know, so. Well, Ben, this has been great. You've had such a, a great journey. I know a big mentor to many. And, and so to close it out, I'd like to put our guests on the hustle hot seat. So you ready for this? Yeah. All righty. Ben, if you have to sing karaoke, what song are you choosing? Uh, Lose Your Love by The Outfield. All right. Why is that? Uh, you know what? Yeah, I, I was into 80s uh, beats whenever I was younger, and that one I was just through college. I always, I always liked it, so that it stuck with me. All right, nice. So you know, going back, and you know, maybe it, this is, goes back into the 80s as well. If you could bring back a fashion trend, what would it be? Skids pants. Skids pants. All right, those are your go-to. Go-to. Oh yeah. <laughs> nice. It's a, and finally, there you have your own late-night talk show. Who are you inviting as your first guest? Probably James Corden because I, I think he he does great in the space and I um, I'm addicted to carpool karaoke and, and I think the dude is just so versatile so he'd be a guy like I'd, I'd like to just hang out with you know? yeah yeah he's a he's a funny guy and he asks great questions yeah he's amazing he's amazing well so so to close it out Ben what are three key takeaways you would give every listener to be in your shoes one day yeah I mean I, I check your ego it would be number one you know it's, it's really not about you. Um, continue to work hard, um, and and you know what? Find mentors. If you don't have mentors now, find one. You know, reach out to someone. Those those people are so critical in, in growth and development for your future. Yeah, you know, you're absolutely completely right. You know, the ego and, and work ethic, but yeah, mentors. It's it's all about the people you surround yourself with. Critical. So. Well, Ben, thank you so much. You've, like I said, such a great career. Been a pleasure talking to you. I've certainly appreciated our friendship and, you know, appreciate your time and expertise here at 52 Weeks of Hustle. No, thanks for having me. Again, this is Travis Apple. Thanks for listening to 52 Weeks of Hustle presented by Event Dynamic. Please be sure to follow the podcast and watch on YouTube. We're also on Twitter and Instagram, so follow us at 52 Weeks of Hustle. We'll be back next week with another industry leader. Have a great week.
The wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's Blue Wire, all one word. Bet Online, your online sportsbook expert. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, the trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.